Listening to your old friends Ron and Don on the Ron and Ra- on the Ron and Don Radio Network, man. <laughs> hey guys, what's going on? It's episode number one seventy eight now of the Ron and Don Show. He's Ron Upshaw. I'm Don O'Neill. We're live from the Les Schwab Studios, right here on the shores of South Lake Union, and here we are. Who's the next president of the United States going to be? We don't know right now. We really don't know because there's lots of ballots, lots of votes that still need to be counted. But thus far, I think we're learning some stuff. So, Ron, I'm going to pivot to you right now. Let me ask you this. What have you learned through this election process so far? Well, I think um, I've (laughs) – where to begin? Uh, the, the biggest thing that I've learned, and I think that it, it looks like Joe Biden is going to be the next president, like when all these votes are counted and all the absentee ballots are counted. And so the, the first thing that I've been thinking a tremendous amount about is somewhere north of 68 to 69 million Americans voted for Donald Trump. Now, from the left coast and from my particular vantage point, I'm astonished by that. And so I need to, I've been trying to stop and go, okay, what is it that I'm not seeing here? Because I don't believe that 69 million Americans are racist. Uh, in, in the same way that the president is racist. I don't believe that 69 million Americans are cruel in the same way that he is cruel in, in terms of like locking up children in cages and all of these things that we could go on and on about. Um, so I'm like, all right, I, I'm not seeing something. There's something going on here that I don't understand and I'm trying to unlock it and I'm trying to understand what it is about. And so the, the biggest thing that I've come up with, and again, this is just me thinking about this a lot this week, is I think that one, um, people either view things from the outside in or the inside out. I think there's, those are the two main categories, meaning this. Um, if, if I think there's a lot of conservatives that view the world in a way of like, I need to protect what's mine and then tell other people, I have the answer, so I'm going to tell other people how they need to live their life. Like that's their basic orientation and that's with a very broad brush, I get it. And a lot of those answers come from religion. So, right. so if you're evangelical and you're on the right, uh, the Bible provides a lot of those answers for the black and white world that you have chosen to live in. Right. So if you come from that orientation, it's pretty easy if you have a diet of specific news sources or the, the bubble that you live in is like, let me tell you how it's going to be. This is what should happen to immigrant immigrants. You need to do this. Pregnant women, you need to do that minorities you need to stay in your lane and so your your viewpoint is outward and and you sort of sit in in an ivory tower and you are going to you know what's best for everybody that's kind of an orientation and i understand that orientation it's it's very comforting because it feels like you have a lot of control it's like if only i had the control over all of these things life would be a lot better and then there's another, the other way to look at this is like, you know what? I'm just going to take care of myself. Like I'm going to sort of hold down, control what I can control. 
understand that there's a lot of stuff I can't control. And so, dude, if you want to marry another guy and you're a guy, go do it. Like if you want to take, you know, psychedelic mushrooms, go take it. Like it doesn't really, doesn't really bother me. doesn't concern me. Um, like I'm not going to put a judgment on that. Just go do your thing. So I think those are the two major philosophical points that are battling each other. And I guess I'll, I'll stop down right there. Uh, do you think I'm, I'm on to something in that and so well, far? Well, well I, I think you have to look at who voted, who didn't vote, and where all these votes came from. And I agree with you. For people that, that voted uh, for the Biden ticket, it, it's really important. It's important that we stop and we say, okay, almost 70 million Americans voted for Donald Trump. And he still could win. He could still pull this off and he's, he still could win. His road is narrower, as they say. Uh, and some networks have called Arizona. Some have not at this time that we're doing this broadcast. And, and Arizona would be a big deal for him if he can pull off three in the East and then Arizona. Joe Biden right now just needs to pull off Arizona, which we think he pulled off, and maybe Nevada. But when you look around the country, we, we have to ask ourselves, why did so many Hispanics, for instance, down in Miami, why did they vote for him? What was the message that he was sharing? And it's really easy to say, well, he tapped into socialism. A lot of people in Miami are from Venezuela or Honduras or somewhere in Mexico. And so he Cuba. was down there He was down there sharing this message, or Cuba, sharing this message of socialism, which many of them fear, which many of them hate, and which many of them have been victims of. And so as a result of this, there was something that he was saying. Because he barnstormed down there, not just for a couple of weeks, for years. He's been down in Florida. I mean, that's where his second home is. It's down in Florida. So he really feels like he owns the state of Florida. And a lot of people were sitting there on election night going, wow, we thought Florida was going to go to Biden. But then the panhandle votes started to come in. And a lot of people that live in the panhandle, they lived in the Midwest. They vacationed in Florida. They bought a second home in Florida. Eventually, they moved there. Your parents live in Florida, right? So there, there's a sensibility that people have from the Midwest that maybe we don't have here on the left coast. I get it and understand it because I was born in Chicago. Uh, and I was texting with my cousin this morning, Jimmy, and we'll talk about that here in a moment. But the thing is, we have to ask ourselves, black people in America voted, and they voted big, and they voted for Biden. And as a result of that, they're going to expect something from his administration. And we'll just have to see if he gets that, if he ultimately becomes president. Because I think they looked at both choices and said, hey, I think Biden is our guy here. But moving forward, how do you help the black and brown community? A brown community in, in Miami, which didn't vote for you, and a black community that came out in force. And it really was a lot of guys my age that are white and older, and they showed up and they voted for the president in droves. And what I do you think it is for me? I mean, what do you think that is the appeal? Well, I don't think truth matters anymore. It does not matter. And, and, and the shocking thing to me is you have Joe Biden who was playing not to lose. To me, it was four corner. Air Force basketball. And when we were growing up in New Mexico, you and I would go watch the New Mexico Lobos play in the pit. When I was like 13 years old, I'd go with my friend uh, Tom Casillas and Gavin Gonzalez, and we were on a little basketball team. And we wanted to be like Michael Cooper, who went on and, and played for the LA Lakers. So we'd sit there, and Air Force would come out, and they would get up 6-4. to 6-4 to four on the Lobos. 
And here you would be in the third quarter of basketball because the Air Force then would go into a four-corner stall. And they would sit there and just throw the ball to one another because there was no shot clock. That's why you see the shot clock like now in basketball was because of the Air Force. In a lot of ways, that's what Joe Biden did here. He stayed home. He did probably spend too much time in his basement. He can say that's as a result of COVID-19, which, uh, which I'll buy. That's fine. But at the end of the day, I don't think people looked at Joe Biden and said he's the very best candidate. Uh, For some people, like the black and brown community, I think they looked at it and said, he's our only candidate right now out of these two candidates. Yeah, so I think it's important. I agree with you that the the truth truth has kind of been set aside. And we have to deal with that as a country. Wow. Because the the way that these facts are disseminated and the way that um, this president has attacked the election process has damaged the country. You know, when you see people with guns storming uh, counting centers in Arizona and Nevada, where it's open carry states, you need to have a pistol on your on your hip. Um, that should alarm everyone. That's what happens in third world countries um, to premature, prematurely declare victory before the votes have been counted or to go to the Supreme Court where you just installed three justices and tell them, you know, stop the counting and make me the president again. Those are moves of dictators and those are moves of strongmen. And so, and again, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir to people in the Pacific Northwest, but we need to build bridges with people. And so I, I've been doing a deeper dive. Like um, most hardcore Republicans, they didn't think and they don't think. They didn't and don't think that COVID was that big a deal. When you look at the polling and you look at the attitudes, only 24% of f- fully red Republicans think that COVID's a big deal. They think it's overblown. They think that we should reopen the country. And so something like 84% of Democrats think it's a big deal. So when you look at that, why is that? Well, it's the messaging and it's who you choose to listen to. And like you said, it's it's having your own set of facts uh, and not just your own set of beliefs, your own set of facts. So those are repairs that we need to make as a society. Uh, I'm not rooting against Republicans. I do not, th- this this framing of politics that's evolved into us versus them then for me to win you have to lose uh and you're going to take what's mine you're going to take my guns you're going to take my money you're going to take my job you're going to take my freedom um when it's framed up in that way i see how people get militarized by it i don't want to take someone's freedom I don't want to take someone's, uh, you know, property from them. I, I want, I'm rooting for all Americans to do better. Um, and it's how we get there. So that's been very alarming to me. Even in my lifetime, if you go back, there have been political battles uh, in our lifetime that were pretty fierce. But I never got the sense that President Bush or uh, another Republican like that, Ronald Reagan, I don't think he was rooting against people that thought differently than him that that he wanted them to fail right now we're in a scenario where people actively want a rooting for the other side to fail yeah let's come back and talk about that because president trump has said he's not good at losing and it made me think about some of the losses in my life and how i accepted them or how i didn't accept them and what happened as a result of that Let's talk about losing because there's been an awful lot of talk about winning. Let's talk about it next right here. It's the Ron and Don Show, episode 178, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, you guys, listen up. This is why we love Les Schwab and we appreciate 
so much that they sponsor the Ron and Don Show because they are so involved in the community. In fact, right now, Les Schwab Tire Centers, uh, Aramark, and Food Lifeline, they're all working together. It's a big team, you guys, because they want to drive out hunger this holiday season. And everybody's asking themselves this time of year, hey, there's a lot of folks out there that need my help, but how do I jump in, Ron, and how do I help? Yeah, just drop off a non-perishable food donation at any Western Washington Les Schwab Tire Center, or you can just pull into the parking lot and a Les Schwab crew member will come out and take your donation. You can also donate online at leschwab.com slash Ron and Don. That's leschwab.com forward slash Ron and Don. Every donation helps stock the shelves of Food Lifeline programs in your communities. Join Les Schwab Tire Centers, Aramark, and Food Lifeline for the Drive Out Hunger Food Drive. It's happening now. When it comes to your real estate journey, Ron and Don can help you buy, sell, or invest in real estate. It all starts with a Ron and Don sit down. Hi, I'm Dan Martin. Hi, I'm Terry Detmer. Hey, I'm Connor. My son wanted to get out of Pullman. He thought, well, let's start looking in Seattle. And it grown to trust the image of Ron and Don. They seem like good guys. Let's go for it. Sent a message in their little portal. Got a message back within about five minutes from Don, and he set up a phone conference for about a half hour later, and both he and Ron were on the phone conference talking to me exactly what we wanted and what price range and what neighborhoods, and about two days later, we were out touring houses with them. They were always responded immediately anytime I contacted them. And the other thing is, we were live on the other side of the water, and so we were having to take a ferry over. They were very cognizant of that, and they didn't want us to waste ferry trips. There were houses we were interested in. They would go and preview them if we wanted. One time, Ron went and then FaceTimed us as he walked through several houses for us so that we wouldn't have to come over and waste the trip. I don't think we would have like necessarily found this house or been as successful with another realtor or doing it without, I can't imagine doing it without a realtor. I don't think we'd have this house if if it hadn't been for Ron and Don. And they seemed personally interested in the houses we would tour. And I think both of them said at some point when we were apologizing at how many houses we looked at, said, we love looking at houses. They didn't hesitate to jump in and make this the house for us. They seemed very enthused for, uh, you know, a deal to get done and for us to be successful. That felt really good. When you're ready to sit down and strategize about your real estate journey, schedule your time with the guys at ronanddonsitdown.com. Hey everybody, it's the Ron and Don Show. ronanddon.com. All right, guys, here we go. Episode 178 of the Ron and Don Show. Don't forget, we're licensed brokers at Windermere, and we are live from the Les Schwab Studios right now. We have a brand new book out for buyers and for sellers. If you'd like that brand new ebook, all you got to do is reach out, right? Yeah, reach out to me, ron at windermere.com, ron at windermere.com. I'll send it right out to you. You can also uh, go out to ronanddonsitdown.com and hear a bunch of stories of clients we've had this past year, uh, see about what we're all about, and start your real estate journey. Yeah. It's a interesting let's talk about losing uh a little bit what kind of a loser are you uh and how do you feel about losing how have you accepted losing and how has losing evolved for you as uh as you're now over the age of 50 um i'm very competitive by nature and i uh, it, it depends it depends on on the thing i've gotten better with it over time uh and it depends on the effort that i've given um, I remember back in even in high school football, if if we played really well 
and you gave your finest effort and you just got beat, I'm okay with that. I've, I've kind of always been okay with that. There are times that, you know, like in an athletic endeavor, even, you know, running or whatever it is, if someone's just better than you, they're better than you. And so, you know, you lose that and you go, okay, I gave it my best effort and I didn't make any huge mistakes. I just, I just got beat. Um, I'm fine with that. Uh, there are other things where you are more immature about it or more insecure about it. And then you get mad or you get angry, uh, you strike back. And so as I've gotten older, I'll tell you, and I know this is not your cup of tea. The biggest thing in the world that helped me reframe losing to me was being becoming a poker player. Oh, I thought you were going to say eating fish. And I'm no. like, you know, I don't like fish. It was being a poker player. Cause oh. there, once you get into that as an activity, um, you can do everything right and still lose. And so it forces you to go back and check your ego and to look at what you did, were your decisions sound. And if they were, there's variance there and sometimes you just lose. And that's how life is. Sometimes you do everything right and you still lose. And then other times you look back and you're like, oh, that was a big mistake. I need to change that. That was a blind spot. So um, it's evolved over the years. What about you? Well, I look at the president and he has already said that he's not a very good loser. And, and then he went on to say that he doesn't think he's going to lose. And I think, it's, I think it is important that we stop here. And and we count everything in Arizona before we call Arizona. That that's what people on 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 the president's side are saying. It's difficult because the president's not saying that. <laughs> the president is saying in the specific states uh, that benefit me to stop the vote, stop it, and where it benefits me to keep voting uh, or keep counting votes and keep counting. So that message is a little bit hard to understand. But what's not under, hard to understand is his own words when he said it is hard for him to lose. I think that's hard for a lot of people. And I remember back playing football and going into the end zone and putting up my finger and saying, I'm number one. And that's when my coach called me over and said, what are you doing? I, I, I said, what are you, I'm scoring a touchdown. He goes, no, what were you doing with your finger? I said, oh, well, you know, I just, we, we just scored and we just beat that team 49 to nothing. And he said, so what you're trying to do is embarrass the other team. So do you, do you, is that the kind of athlete that you want to be where you're here to embarrass other people? And he said, I, I just looked at the standage. You're not number one in the state. You're number four. So do you want to put up four fingers and say you're number four? Cause that's what you are. This team right now is fourth in the state. It's not number one. Now, when we get to number one, then let's have a talk. But right now you're number four. And he said, if you ever spike that football in the end zone again, then you're no longer playing on this team because we are not here to embarrass others. We are here to get better. We are here to be a part of a team. And as a result of that, we have competition on the other side that they've been practicing all week for this incredible game that we get to play under the Friday night lights on a Friday night. And somewhere along the way, in our national discussion, our national debate, we have forgotten that it's impossible for all of us to be number one. It's impossible for us to win all the time. And I remember playing in these games and my coach would be, you weren't allowed to smack talk. You weren't allowed to say anything before the game. You weren't, you weren't allowed to say anything to the other team until after the game when you shook their hands and you patted them on the butt and you, and you told them great job. 
Because he said at the end of this, none of you guys are playing the National Football League. But the end of this, I hope you all have great character. And character is what you do in the dark. Character is what you do when no one else is looking. And we see these two campaigns now in a fight. And the world is watching. My son is watching. And I'm very embarrassed by it. I'm embarrassed by what happened on that stage a number of weeks ago. I'm embarrassed by what is happening now. Because we lost our humanity. Somewhere in all this, we've lost the truth. And somewhere in all this, we've lost our curiosity of what somebody else is going through. And we've completely lost our uh, ability, it seems like, to communicate with one another. Without the other side getting pissed off and mad, allowing someone else to make a point and really listen to that and say, you know what? Thanks for that. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to consider it. Because at the end of the day, we all can't be number one. And sometimes maybe we're number four. And maybe in this particular situation, maybe Donald Trump's going to be number two. Maybe Joe Biden will be number two. But I'm looking and watching to see the way they handle this and to come in as a strong arm and a strong man and start throwing Supreme Court justices at this um, is incredible to me. So, Yeah, it, it, it really is. And I think um, being a gracious winner is as good as being a gracious loser and going, what can I learn from this? And, and to your point, um, those 69 million Americans that voted uh, for Republicans in this election, what are their concerns how can we learn something like how can we take information like uh, I have a family member. It's like I'm getting killed with taxes that I pay because I'm a small business owner. That's a valid point. How can I listen to him or her and go, I feel your pain. You are paying a lot of taxes. How can we make that better? Like you're a good guy. You work your tail off. That's got to suck. Mm-hmm. instead of, you know, spiking the football, to use the analogy you said, and jump up and down because my team won and his team lost, if it does. Um, so in, in, in even things, whatever the issue is, whether it's uh, border control or immigration or abortion or taxes or, you know, the economy, COVID, all of those things, everybody feels like their perspective is valid. And so when we just dismiss things out of hand and we say hashtag fake news and alternative facts and all that stuff, we're not helping. Like, do we want America to be two separate nations or do we want to be one nation? Because the thing, and I'll, I'll reference this one more time, and we've talked about it before. When you actually travel and you get on a plane and like you go to China, we're in trouble. <laughs> China has over like 1.2 billion people. They have a lot of uh, national identity. They are coming for us in terms of GDP and productivity and factories and manufacturing and technology and computers and all the PhDs, everything. They're coming for us. They're going to be the biggest economy in the world. You know, when you go to Europe, like you and I did a couple of years ago, you see countries that are coming for us. You look at Germany. They, they got it going on, man. Like Germany's not messing around on the world stage. And so if we want to remain a superpower, 
if we want to remain an innovator, if we want to be uh, our, our better selves and deal with the racism of our past, deal with our inequities, deal with the fact that there were 75 tents in Denny Park, as I did my walk the other day, of people living in tents in the city of Seattle and surrounding areas, then we need to deal with this. Everybody can't be wrong and you're the only one that's right. And so uh, that's my hope here is that we get back to the point where we stop pointing fingers at everybody else and going, there's no way I can win. Supreme Court, stop the voting. This is wrong. It must be fraud. They're doing something underhand. No, like you just, you take your medicine and when you lose, you lose. Yeah. And if Joe Biden loses, he loses. Correct. He, he, I don't want to see him dragging the Supreme Court or anybody else. If Joe Biden loses, he loses. And then President Trump is our president, and we'll just have to figure that out for the next four years. Also, don't forget, if Joe Biden's president, 77 now, were they thinking about a second term? Would he run for a second term if he's president at 81, 81 to 85? That's really interesting there, too, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we come back. Um, I'm going to tell you a story about my cousin Jimmy, uh, who is a Trumper 2020. I heard from him this morning. I'll tell you what I heard next. Ron and Don from radio to real estate. When you're ready to grab a cup of coffee and sit down with the guys, go to ronanddonsitdown.com. All right, you guys, love from the uh, Les Schwab Studios. We're Ron and Don. Thanks for reaching out to us. And don't forget our website. You want to sit down with us, whether you're buying, selling, or maybe you just want the brand new book that we just wrote for buyers and sellers. We can send you that ebook. All you have to do is go to ronanddonsitdown.com. That's ronanddonsitdown.com. So, whoever becomes president will be uh, Joe Biden. Will be President Trump. We'll find out here in the next couple of hours or days. I'm okay taking some time and making sure that we have an accurate count. And don't forget in most states where they do a recount, they'll do a recount and maybe the numbers change by the hundreds, but they've never changed by the thousands. But when we look at some of these other races that are tightening, maybe they end up uh, close enough in a couple states in the hundreds and not the thousands. I don't know. What I've been looking for to do in my own life is to learn from people that maybe didn't vote like I did. And uh, one of those people is my cousin. My cousin Jimmy uh, has been reaching out during this whole election cycle. And he and my sister Beth are big, big Trump supporters. In fact, everyone, just about everyone in my family is a big Trump supporter. Uh, My mom voted for Donald Trump last time. What was interesting, though, and I shared a little bit of this, she said, you know, this time she really sat down. She appreciated the fact that she could vote from home. She's 77 years old, so that protect her from COVID. She's concerned about that. She could, should be. She's a breast cancer survivor. But then it also gave her a lot of time to really look at the candidates and study the candidates and vote for Republicans and Democrats. That's what I do. I see myself as more of an independent. I have voted for Republicans to be president before, and I voted for Democrats too. So many people think I'm a libtard, uh, and I don't think I'm a libtard. I'm just trying to be a good listener. And if a good listener and asking questions and being curious put you on the left, <laughs> then I guess I'm on the left. But I have a lot of friends that are on the right that are also curious, and they're good question askers. And every once in a while, they might vote on the left. So we all grew up voting the ticket. And what we're finding out is 
Well, many people this time around, they did uh, vote the ticket. But So what's the path back? What is the path back? Because at the end of the day, I'll never meet Joe Biden. I'll never meet President Trump. The things that are more concerning to me is something that Ron just mentioned that hasn't been talked about at all in this election cycle, is the fact that any park that my son and I used to play at, we can't play at anymore. There's not a park we can go play at. Because in those parks are tents, and in those parks are all different types of folks from different places that are there for different reasons. But at the end of the day, when people living in those tent communities don't feel safe, and that's why they're asking the city to bring that back the navigation teams to kind of patrol those areas, hey, it's not going to be real safe for my son to show up there and play a little soccer ball or kickball uh, either. But that's what I care about. I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about the opioid crisis. I'm thinking about here in Seattle. Uh, what is schooling going to look like for my child? as we head into 2021, because right now uh, he's not getting a great education because a lot of that education is coming from me and I'm not a very good tutor, uh, but I'm concerned about that. Also, no one's talking about the wildfires. I'm so concerned about the wildfires and what are we going to do moving forward, forward into the future about these wildfires where we keep building places and structures and forests and then get so pissed off when those uh, structures are burnt to the ground. So I'm concerned about that. And then also our own health, our mental health. So concerned about our mental health, and I'm also concerned about our physical health. Those are a lot of things. Maybe there are a couple talking points in these debates, but really much of that is not going to be decided uh, by two guys running for president. It's going to be decided by me and you. It's going to be decided by the way that we treat each other. It's going to be decided by the people that we vote for locally. And hopefully we always hear this and they act globally. My cousin Jimmy reached out to me this morning and he said, hey, Uncle George, he fell. His dad, my uncle. And it doesn't look good right now. And he broke his hip. He's in his 90s. And we know a lot of times as people begin to visit the end of life, a lot of times it starts with a, with a broken bone and a fall and it goes from there. So we'll see what happens here in the next couple of days. But what it helped me remember is that I love my cousin Jimmy. I grew up with him playing Tonka trucks uh, in our backyard. And in fact, my mom left my cousin Michael there one time. We couldn't find him. We went swimming. We're like, hey, there's supposed to be eight of us, four on my mom's side, four on my auntie Al's side. Where's Michael? He was still in the backyard playing with that Tonka truck, so we had to go back and get him. But it's going to be my job to find a road back with my cousin to continue to have discussions, continue to express love, to continue to care about each other, and also um, to usher in together Uncle George's uh, last breath, which I think will probably happen here in the coming weeks or the coming months. I don't wish that, but he's been sick for an awful long time. So with that said, I think we really have to look at the people that are in our sphere, the people that we care about. Uh, I have a construction project going on. Every single guy that works at a construction project, they all voted for Trump. And I learned so much by standing in my backyard with them, bringing lunch, and just listening to those guys. Why did you vote for Trump? Why was that important to you? And when we're willing to do that, and we're willing to have proximity with people that don't look like us, or act like us, or even think like us, Sometimes you find out, well, they kind of do act like us. They kind of do look like us. And, uh, and it's easier to understand 
where they're coming from when uh, when they when they cast that vote for Donald Trump. Oh, I'm sorry to hear about your uncle. I've, I've, you've been talking about him for <clears throat> as long as I've known you, so that's uh, that is very sad. So I hope he has a full recovery. And I've I've met your cousins, and again, um, had a great time. I was one. Of, it's a very fond memory. We all went up to a lake in the upper part of Michigan and went snowmobiling, and I got to watch you crash your new snowmobile into a tree. So that I, I'm still laughing about that. Uh, so yeah, I, I agree with you. I have family members all across the political spectrum as well. I think most people listening have that. Um, it is imperative, I think, for us and to to come together as a nation and think of everybody so um you know i want everyone to feel like they are proud to be an american i want everyone to feel like uh, they have a space and that they have an opportunity and so it is not all about protecting your own little fiefdom and that everybody else is wrong so um yeah, this has been a very tense time. I haven't been sleeping all that well. I know that people have been obsessing over this for months. But like you said, let's see how it all shakes out. Let's count every single vote. And then let's move on as a country. And, and I hope we can find truth with a capital T again. Um, there are things that are true, regardless of if I believe them or not. Uh, regardless if you believe them or not. Things that are true are true. And what you feel is what you feel. And those aren't necessarily the same thing. So I would like to move forward. I would like to keep an open mind. And I would like to address the things that people are apprehensive about. And so to those, uh, you know, ex-Cubans that live in Miami that are have a, a bad taste in their mouth about socialism, that's real. Uh, and so is it true that Joe Biden wants to be a socialist? Well, not in the same way that uh, Fidel Castro was. But some, you know, we need to have a, a conversation about that and, and, and ease the, their fears and say, yeah, it's, it's reasonable that you would feel that way. And so here's what the real truth is and then back it up with living that truth. Yeah. All right, you guys, thanks for listening to this episode today. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know what would really help us is if you hit the subscribe button and then this episode just drops in your mailbox. Also, don't forget, you can go to ronadonsitdown.com right now and get one of our brand new eBooks. If you're buying or selling, we'd love to send that to you. And then uh, we can do a virtual sit down together before we come out to see your property and uh, meet you mask to mask. How about that? All right. Anyway, let's not spike the football on each other. Let's not do it put our fingers down no matter what side wins here we have to find a way for it to be a winner for all of us right and the way that we do that i think is we start talking and i don't mean just on social media firing off one-liners i mean getting on the phone going to see our neighbor taking your construction guy's lunch and just sitting down and having a chat and listening finding out where they are coming from and chances are we'll find a lot more common ground that way all right He's Ron. I'm Don. You keep your head up, your shoulders back. We'll see you for episode 179, only on the Ron and Don Radio Network. Hey, it's G-Force O'Neill, Brains Ogus Operation, and the voice of the Ron and Don Show. Well, that's it. Show's over. We'll see you next time on the Ron and Don Radio Network.